I want you to go in your Bible this morning to the book of Exodus chapter 3. Thank you, Miss Tanya. You got Give this team a big hand, would you? They're doing a tremendous job from here, back there, all the way through. I appreciate all of them and all the work that they're doing. A lot goes in to trying to do and be as excellent before the Lord as we possibly can. First of the week, we're going to be going to the book of Exodus chapter 3. So if you got a Bible, you want to go there with me or on your phone, iPad, or if you no, don't even have it, just hang loose with me, all right? But we're going to be going to the book of Exodus chapter 3. First of the week, I believe it was Monday evening, we had an opportunity to go to the theater. Was it Monday evening? And to watch a movie entitled The Sound of Freedom. A movie that's written, uh, I think, or the main actor, I don't know exactly who it's written by, but the main, one of the main actors in it is uh, Jim Caviezel. And many of you may know him from The Passion of the Christ, the young man that played Jesus in that scene. And I want to encourage everybody in this house, if you haven't gone to the theater, go to the theater for nothing else but to watch this one film. I believe it will bless you. I believe it will challenge you. I believe it will stir your heart for something greater. Now, I want to use that as a springboard this morning. This team had no idea what I was going to be preaching. But when I walked away from that night, I believe God began to speak to me. I believe this is a very prophetic moment of time, even with this film. This film was actually, if I understand right, was actually made five years ago and just now coming out. I was watching an interview yesterday while I was on the road listening, I should say, and uh, Jim Caviezel was being interviewed by, by someone and I was listening to him. He only got this or this film was only placed in 2,000 theaters around the country. Now that may seem like a lot, but when you compare... A Disney film starts in over 4,000 theaters around the country. So he only got 2,000 theaters to put this movie in. And as a result of this past week and the showing, and he was contending with uh, Harrison Ford and uh, uh, the latest Indiana Jones movie, and everybody knows them, they overtook Indiana Jones this past weekend. Can you believe that? By several million dollars, that, that overtook them. Now, because of that, it not, only, it not only showed something to them, but it opened up more theaters for them. For now, they're not just in 4,000 or 2,000 theaters. They've moved to where it's open 3,000 theaters to them now. And the movie is continuing to be seen. And I believe it's a very prophetic sign of what's going on in the sound of freedom and what God is doing. If you don't know, I don't want to give it all away, but you must know a little bit of, about what it is about. It is about child trafficking or sex trafficking in our world and especially here even in our nation at the moment. Now, without going into all that film and listening to him yesterday and gathering a few other statistics, just give me a, a, a little bit of favor. Do you realize that over 300,000 children are abducted in some form in our nation every year? Just this past weekend, in a small town in Tennessee, not too far from us, a young two-year-old two girl was taken by her mama's boyfriend, taken to Chicago, and they found the baby dead there. This is happening every day around our nation. Do you realize that, sex, uh, that child trafficking has become a major 
import into our nation here of America. Matter of fact, at the times of, of the major events in our nation, such as the Super Bowl and the concerts and everything that goes on, these figures escalate because of the people that have come into our country and the people that are here that are demanding these things to take place. It has become a hundred and $50 billion industry in our nation. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. It's even, my mind can't even wrap around $150 billion. But if you take every sports team in the nation, basketball, baseball, football, every one of the teams and their salaries and what they're making, you're still not scratching the surface. Even if you add... Even the new soccer leagues that have come in and put their salaries together, you're still crawling up there. And if you take, now I'm taking some information from Jim right now, right? My buddy Jim Caviezel, like I know him, I'm taking his information that if you take every 18-year-old and send them to Harvard College on a full tuition, you are still just beginning to look at what a $150 billion industry would look like in our nation. Every day, a child is going missing somewhere. Across our borders and our open borders. This has been a big debate politically. But we have thousands upon hundreds of thousands entering into our country across our borders. Now, I'm not trying to be political here at all, but I want us to understand something because these are true statistics. They're being identified and they're being processed at our border. And then they're being brought up into different cities of our nation. Out of everybody coming in right now, 85,000 children have been processed on our southern border. But 85,000 children are nowhere to be found in our country right now. They're missing, they're gone. What happened? They're being tagged with their name. They're being released into the hands of people they don't know. And this is taking place in our world. That's why I believe that we better pay attention to this movie and what's going on. But is there something greater behind that? Is there something, a bigger push than even that? Do you realize that 32 million people in our nation, are actively using drugs of some form. Whether it be legal or whether it be prescription, opioids, whatever it would be, 32 million people. That's 11 point, that's 11% of our population. And the statistics start at the age of 12. Do you realize that if you added the alcohol issue to that, that it raises it to 60% of our population is dealing with an addiction of some form and, and, and being overtaken and we wonder why our nation is in the state that it's in just recently and I don't want to embarrass anybody or whatever, but we've had even some of our own people that have come in here that are looking to be free, fall off the wagon only to find themselves incarcerated again, locked up because of what that hold upon their life does to them. 60% of our population. You want to know what that comes to be in a financial status? Hang on, I'm preaching to you, believe it or not. $740 billion is lost in the workforce, in health care, and in the drug-related issues that are taking place in our nation. If we don't think for a moment that money, that mammon and whatever is at the basis of some of the you and I are greatly mistaken. That's just a few things. 
Let's talk about violent crime. Since the year of 2019, violent crime has gone up all over our nation. Now it seems like our news delights in the fact that every time there is what they call a mass shooting and I know that they have a, a, a formula that they walk by determined by how many deaths and how many people were killed. It seems to be the main headlines of all the newscasts that comes on and the whole idea they're chasing the guns but the reality we got a greater problem because people are dying at the hands of wickedness every day. We haven't even touched the pornography issue that not only touches men, and most people think that, that, that it is a man's issue, but it is no longer just a male issue. Women are as caught up in the pornography issue as much as men is, and it is a growing crisis that is chasing us every day, not only chasing male, men and women, but it's chasing our children because every day on their phones, they have an opportunity to tap into it in some form. Not only that, but divorce is up. 50% of all marriages are not lasting. That's both in and out of the church. That's both believers and non-believers. Why is that? I, I don't understand it because I thought that when a man and woman stood before God in a crowd of witnesses, it was till death do us part. But now it's become as every day and attorneys have taken their rightful positions just to say, I'm a divorce court attorney. And that's happening in our church. Although, let me say on the other side of that, they say the divorce rate may be on a decline. But I've got news that the reason it's on a decline is is because the culture has decided just to live together instead of being committed together. Hello? I'm talking about our world. I'm talking about the world. Even church people decide I can serve God, I can come, I can live with my person of, uh, of my significant other no matter what and, and we can be all right before God because we come and worship. We haven't even touched the mental health issues of our day. Just a few weeks ago, I had Miss Denise do a, a, a teaching on mental health, done a tremendous job sharing some statistics and things that are going on. I said in another meeting on mental health not too long before that, and the issues are that there is more trouble with mental health. Our children, our teenagers are dealing with anxiety. Our families are stressed to the max. We're popping, we're feeding our children with everything that we can to keep them calm and yet we take that that is not a problem and on top of that we're dealing with a generation and a culture that don't know who they are I feel like I'm a man caught in a woman's body or I feel like I'm a, I'm a woman but I'm in this male body I don't like it now, you and I can jump up and down and say how horrible and how bad that is all day long, but this is the world of which we live, and this is all around us. And my friend, I want to share something with you that's hard for me to understand because I definitely don't feel that way. <laughs> Thank the Lord. But what's hard for me to understand is, and for you to understand is, those feelings they have are just as real in one sense as the feeling that I have for my wife right there. It's just as equal. Now, it may be a false, it may be a perverted feeling, but nonetheless, they feel that. It's in their emotion and psyche. And who did we ever think that we would ever have to go to our court system that the Supreme Court would be making rulings on gender identification and being able to keep a young boy a boy or a young girl a girl, but that now is in the forefront of our nation Why we, the church, sit back and say that's a horrible thing. And that's not only that, just about people that are good people struggling every day with life and with sin. Good people. I used to go to the jail, to the prison 
several years ago. It's been a while since I got to go, and I used to go in and teach on a weekly basis or preach to the, and I'd come to learn something when I would go in. There wasn't always hardened criminals in there. Most of those were good guys. They were family men. They were men that had prominent jobs. They were trying to make a good living for their family. But they found themselves in a bad spot in one moment, right, wrong, or indifferent, but it cost them a period of time of their life. I wouldn't throw a stone at them and tell them how wicked they are. They were good guys struggling with life. I wonder if there's anybody in this room. I want to tell you, life can be hard. Life can be a struggle even at its best. I, I'm a child of God. I'm, I'm a preacher of this gospel. I'm, I'm a man of the cloth. I, I've done this, and I know from time to time there will be a struggle that will try to rise up in my life. I don't care how old, how young you are. I don't care if you're male or female. Sin is a real deal. Temptation is a real deal, and it presses in on us all the time, trying to overtake us. But Jesus said, Scripture tells us in Isaiah 61, verse 1. You don't have to turn there. I don't know if she's got that back there. You can put it up real quick if you don't. But Isaiah prophesied into the future and began to talk about Jesus. I want you to look at this verse. We all know this real well because we spirit-filled people, we delight in the anointing of God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good things, our good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and for the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Wait a minute. What is that anointing for? What is that anointing for? For us to come in, oh, I feel the anointing. Mm -mm. What is that anointing for? To preach good things or good tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open prison doors to those that are bound. Could it be? Could it be? It's interesting to me. Just a few months ago, we were all jumping up and down over the revival that happened at Asbury. Revival's here. Revival's here. Pastor, let's go. Let's, let's push into prayer. Let's push into worship. Let's open up the church. We want revival. People were running all over the nation to a little community that they hadn't even blocked the roads in because you couldn't get any more people in it. But just like that, it's gone. Oh, pastor, it's still out there. Maybe it is and maybe it isn't because we're definitely not hearing about it like we were a few months ago and we're definitely not seeing the enthusiasm that we once had about it. Well, we've not repented enough. Or may I say to us, maybe we missed something. Go with me to the book of Exodus 3. Are you okay? Exodus chapter 3 is a story that I think everybody in the room will know, but I don't want to take for granted that everybody knows what I know or what you know. And the book of Exodus is about the people of God that were in bondage under the, a strong hand of, a, of, a, of an Egyptian ruler that was a Pharaoh. And because the people of God were increasing, and increasing and they couldn't stop it. The only way they thought they could do it was we'll put them under hard taskmasters. We'll make them labor. We'll cause them to struggle so they'll stop reproducing. But they kept reproducing and they kept growing. But nonetheless, they're under the hand of a heavy taskmaster. It was actually prophesied that they would go into bondage for 400 years. And the book of Exodus starts out with that story that they're there. And there is a mother that gives birth to a baby. 
And they were increasing so rapidly that Pharaoh said, I got to stop this. I got to stop the seed because somehow somebody I believe knew that a deliverer was going to come out and he gave order that all the male children would be cast into the river or would be killed. Part of that river, the whole idea, it was a God they worshiped. And they would offer those babies as sacrifice, much like what is going on in our nation right now at the hands of an abortionist. And so they would cast them in. But there was a mama that had felt something, there's something special about my baby. She named him Moses. Instead of destroying her baby, she filled a little basket, pitched it, and put the baby in. And hopefully, I'll send it down the river. Maybe by grace of God, somehow my baby will survive. But one of the Pharaoh's daughters, if I understand right, was down by the river, no doubt bathing at the time. And this basket floats by. She hears the cry of a baby. And she blows and she pulls the basket. And instead of dunking the baby, something in her says, I want this baby for myself and she kept this little one and she ordered Pharaoh I want this baby and she said I need help nurturing this little one and it just so happened by the grace of God that her that his mother was called upon him I tell him the story right was called upon him to take care of this little baby as he grows so now I've got a Hebrew baby growing up in the highest house of the Egyptian land in the home of Pharaoh. And he grows. And he learns the Egyptian ways. But at the same time, he is a Hebrew. As this boy called Moses, which means drawn out, as he grows, he finds himself one day as a young man He's walking through the, through the streets, no doubt, of Egypt. And he sees, he sees an Egyptian mistreating a couple of Hebrews. And what was on the inside of him began to be stirred. And the Bible says that he slew the Egyptian. He covered him up in the sand. And the Hebrews that saw it now, he thought nobody's seen this. But now somebody has seen it. They know there's a story. They know there's a secret because this Egyptian, is buried and the only thing that Moses knows to do is I got to run. I got to get away from here. And as I was looking at this story trying to find some stats about it, one of the writers said that he traveled 200 miles away from where he was. Now I don't know if it was that far. It was a great distance that he separated himself from his family. He goes into a foreign land to him. He marries a daughter by the one, by, uh, from a man whose name was Sapor, I believe it is. Her father's name was Jethro. And he begins to be a hired hand, a help to his father-in-law, taking care of sheep on the backside of the desert at a mountain base called Horeb. And one day, while he's taking care of sheep, an angel of the Lord appears. Follow with me real quickly. And it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of his Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in the flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush doesn't burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off of your feet for the place where you are, where you are or where you stand is holy ground. Look at the picture. Remember, I believe it's where we are has been a prophetic sign of what was taking place back a few months ago, but we didn't catch the picture. An angel of the Lord appeared in a flame of fire. We like the fire. What we need is more fire. 
Everybody's chasing the fire. But it wasn't the fire that God was after. It wasn't the fire that was the prominent thing. It was the fact that God had came down. And the only way maybe to get Moses' attention at the moment I'm going to do something supernatural and that would be for a bush to burn and not be consumed because listen to what Moses said. I'm going to, I'm going to take a look at this. i got to figure out why this tree is burning but it's not being consumed. And all of a sudden, God's got his attention and God speaks to him. He said, Moses... Moses, when he's calling his name twice, there's something significant that God is saying. It speaks, first of all, that he is actually demanding him, in a sense, to humble himself and to give him honor for who he is. But if it's really like that, maybe it'd be more like when my mama used to call me years ago, and once in a while, Diane will call me this way, Zachary Bruce! Because when they would say it like that, they want my attention. You know what I'm talking about. I want you to pay attention to me. Moses, Moses. Moses said, I'm here, Lord. And then God gives him another command. Moses, take your shoes off. For the place that you're standing upon is holy ground. I believe there's been many moves of God over our land. And even as of late, where the power and the fire of God shows up, and I'm all for it. I love it. But I believe if we're not careful, we'll get caught up with the flame and we'll miss the voice of direction and instruction that God wants to give us because we're so enamored by the moment. Believe it or not, I heard somebody say recently, we have become revival junkies. We're as addicted to certain feelings and certain movements. I'm going to say it, you're not going to like me. But we're addicted to prophets. We're addicted, give me another word. Give me another this. And we just keep chasing and we keep running. And we're yet to stop and listen to what God is saying. I believe that God had to go a different route. So isn't it interesting that Jim Caviezel is not only the main guy that goes to bring deliverance to a little boy and a little girl, but he played Jesus in the passion of the Christ that would bring freedom to the whole world. And God's trying to speak to us. We've been so caught up in the flames, so caught up in the fire. And yet God is saying, I want to talk to you. And I believe he's saying, Adrian, Adrian. I believe he's saying, Charlie, Charlie, whatever your name is, he's calling your name. But we're so addicted. I got to get me another high today. Did you hear what so-and-so said? Did you listen to the last video? Did you listen? I watch them. I'm there. But if we're not careful, you better make sure you're hearing what God is saying and not just addicted to something happening. See, you never thought you could be addicted to spiritual things. Oh, yes, you can. And I believe even we, the church, have become addicted and don't even realize it. Because then I don't see God move and then I start questioning. And God says to him, I visited with you. I believe Asbury was a visitation by God. Some called it revival. But I believe it was a visitation. It got the nation. It got the attention of the whole nation. And even got the attention of the whole world. But we still didn't listen. And isn't it interesting? It was about young people before the Lord. It was about a generation. I believe that's what it was speaking. About a generation that needed Jesus. But we misinterpreted the outpouring. Told you, you may not like the message, but push the share. Somebody else will. 
But then he says, take your shoes off. Take your shoes off for this is the place of holy ground. I believe it speaks of a number of things there that he's saying, I want you to take your shoes off. Uh, shoes in one sense was a, was a respect of who you were and such as that to be able to walk. But I believe he was saying, Moses, you have walked this route long enough. You have just been attending sheep. That's all you've been doing. And that was a good, notable thing that you're doing. But Moses, I've got a bigger plan for you. And when he was saying that he's on holy ground, he was absolutely saying, Moses, you're in my presence. You may not feel like it, but you're in the place where I am. And then he says, listen, are you okay? I mean, God, God got his attention away from the bush. God got his attention away from the bush. Maybe sometimes when you think things are cut off, it isn't cut off. God's just getting your attention away from what you kept your attention on because you haven't been able to listen. And then he goes on to say, he said, do not draw near this place. Don't come back to this bush. Don't draw near to that. That's not where I'm after. Don't, don't stop. Y'all going to sound like I'm totally anti-revival and all that. I, I'm not. I, I'm, there's something greater. Don't chase after that. Don't go back to that. I've got something. I've got your attention. Don't go there, but pay attention to what I'm telling you. Then he goes on, he says, moreover, now I've got your attention. Let me tell you who I am. I'm the God of Abraham, and I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob. He said, I want you to know who I am. I believe it's time that God is saying, I want you to know I'm a covenant-keeping God. I made a covenant way back there that I intend to keep, and you have lost sight of who I am. Moreover, Moses, I know you come up in the house of Pharaoh. You knew me when you are a baby because your mama talked to you about me for just a moment. But I'm the God of your father Abraham. I'm the God of your father Isaac and Jacob. And the Bible said Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. Look at verse 7. He said, for I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Church, don't think for a moment God doesn't see what's going on. I want to tell you what I said a while ago. There's good people bound up today. Miss June has asked me all week, Pastor, can you get me in the jail? Can you get me in the jail? Not to go to jail, but to go visit. Sorry, Jude. <coughs> Wanted to make sure that was clear. Because there's four people I said, I think she said that she's been ministering to. Good people that have found themselves falling off the wagon or something happened in their life that they're reverted back and now they're back incarcerated. One of, young lady that Dennis and Sue has been caring for and, and mentoring and working with. They called me a few weeks ago, just broken. Pastor so-and-so had just fallen off the wagon and back in jail. We know her. We've had her serve us at the huddle house. One of the sweetest people you'll ever know. But all of a sudden it's back and you think, oh, how wicked everybody is. But God doesn't look at them the way you and I are. You and I look at them and call them and declare that they need the judgment of God. And God's not looking at them that way. Listen to what God said. I see the oppression of my people who are in bondage. That's what Egypt represents. And he said, I'm hearing their cry. I've heard their cry. They're crying and you don't know it because of their taskmasters. And he said, I know, I know their sorrows. I believe that he was prophesying what would come because Jesus would be a man acquainted with grief and yet with sorrow. He said, I know, I feel their pain. I've never been drunk a day in my life. 
I've never been high on any kind of illicit drug. I, I don't know what that's like. And I'm just using that one area. It doesn't mean that I don't have struggles in other areas. But I have had struggles in my life, believe it or not, where I've cried, God, deliver me. This thing is stronger. This pull on my life right now is stronger than what I can imagine. When you and I just see them messed up and out of their mind, you don't know the cry coming out of their heart in the night season. And Will somebody help me? He said, I've seen. So look at verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptian. And I'm going to bring them up and bring them into a good and large land. God said, I've come down. I have visited for one purpose, to set captive free. I've come down so that people can be free. I'm visiting you so that those that are bound can be loosed. And then in verse 10, he's talking to Moses now. Are you okay? Take a good breath. Are you ready? So now he speaks to Moses and he says, Come now, therefore, I'm going to send you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God, if you know we got a problem, why don't you just deal with it? God, if you know things are so bad... I couldn't help but think about that little baby, that little girl, stuck in the jungles, uh, I, I, stuck away in the jungle where nobody would know under the hands of wicked, wicked, evil men. Nobody knowing where she's at. I got an idea. All she could cry, but she's one of God's children. And I believe God heard. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, God, you could have sent an angel in there and wiped out every one of them. Why didn't you? Because what God has set to do on this earth, he has chosen to do it through flesh and blood, through the hands of men like you and I. So he says, come now, and I'm going to send you therefore to Pharaoh, and that you will bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. He said, I'm going to send you into the face of of the ruler, but you're going to bring my children. Notice how God says, my children. You may not feel like a child today, but whether you identify that way or not, you might identify in so many binary things, it's just nuts. But I want to tell you who you really are, born again or not. You are a child of God. You were created for Him and for His pleasure. Even though you may be the biggest jerk, a pedophile, a murderer, a thief, a liar, an addict, whatever, you are a child of God. So God said, I'm going to send to Moses to deliver a Moses that's had an encounter with me, a Moses that has heard my voice. But here's like Moses, like all of us, he speaks this. But Lord, who am I that I should go before Pharaoh? Who am I? Who am I? I, I I'm overwhelmed. I, I'll be honest. In about the first five minutes of that movie, I was ready to get up and move out. I, I really wanted to. It was that overwhelming to my heart in that just first few moments. I, I couldn't, there's my beautiful granddaughter over there. I couldn't imagine one moment anybody taking one of our children. I can't imagine that. But moms and dads, brothers and sisters, happening all around us every day. And we're looking at problems. Who am I? What am I going to do about it? How can I work any solution in this thing? Well, I think I have an answer for you. Because if God's visited you, and God's calling you, and God's speaking to you, you're the one selected to be a part of a problem. 
You're somebody's miracle. You're somebody's, what we need is miracles. You know, I've come to learn something. Y'all may disagree with me, it's okay. Just push the share button. Somebody will. I'm going to work that for a while. <laughs> I don't think Jesus went to a city and said, at 7 o'clock tonight, I'm going to be doing miracles. If you want to see a miracle, come. I don't think it worked that way. But that's become the American culture. No, it's become the church culture. Let's do a big meeting. Let's bring an evangelist. Let's get as many people in the building as we can. And I see it advertised all the time. Come for signs, wonders, and miracles. The only problem is we get there, I see very little signs and very little wonders. And if there is any wonders, we're wondering where are the wonders. Oh, we used to advertise that way. We got Val Trees coming, God's man of faith and power. We had put his face up on a, on a billboard or we put him in the newspaper, get a whole page of it. God's man of faith and power, come and be healed, delivered, and set free. I don't think we ever did him that way, but <laughs> just using him. But that become our Western American culture. This is what I believe Jesus did. Jesus is just on a journey sent from God he walks by and sees a problem and he turns and said I know the answer to what you're dealing with and he healed him when he didn't do the miracle to prove who he was he was therefore he done the miracle we've got this thing all back what we need is more. You're waiting on a miracle. Well, find a problem and step into it and ask God how he wants to work through you to get it done. That's one thing. I believe who you are by things that you've been through. Some of you have some of you've been in that world. Some of you have no doubt been. We've got somebody, I think it was somebody in our church. I, I know I was talking to somebody recently, didn't know when they were a child. They had been abducted. Didn't even know it. You know, you've been there. Maybe you've gone through a family loss. Maybe you've been through a crisis. You didn't go through that thing for no reason. I'm not saying God put it on you, but if you want to give the devil a black eye, you can live in the misery of that thing or you can rise up and you say, I'm going to take my experience and I'm going to work and make sure that not another person deals with this. Hello. Some of you know what it is to be an addict. Don't be a partner and say, come on, once an addict. No, I'm free by the power of God, and I'm going to help get other people free. Maybe you've been in the basis of poverty. Maybe where it's been so bad and now you're wealthy beyond measure. It's not the idea to say, look at what I got. But maybe it's the idea, I know how to help you get from here to get to here. If you'll just let me help you. Amen. See, whatever you've been through, you can take it and use it for a tool of God. Moses said, but Lord, who am I? God said, you're certainly the one that I want. Because he said in verse, he said in verse 12, so he said to him, I will certainly be with you. And when you come out, when you, when you have come out, you brought the people out of Egypt, this is going to be your sign that you'll serve God on this mountain. Now that's interesting to me. Because so many times we're still stuck just witnessing to people and tell them, no. I think we're to get them to be a part of the family and the household of God. Because they're not going to survive out there alone. That's like I saw an advertisement on our news. Out of Lowe, Kentucky, they have what is called now, uh, in Paducah I believe it is, I think it was in Paducah, what they're calling a safe drop. In other words, if you're a mama carrying a baby and you don't want to abort it, but you don't want the child... 
You can drop it off with us, no questions asked. You can leave the baby instead of leaving it. And this has been the statistics. They are finding them in garbage bags, in dumpsters, and in trash cans, and in backpacks, and just left somewhere. So now somebody's come up with a solution. So that baby isn't going to survive. He's born. He's in this world. We do the, let's just get him saved. Let's just, no. We got to get them and pull them into our world. We got to help them. I just don't have time. Boy, no wonder the enemy's got us all so messed up. And what is important that none of us have time and really don't have any, any, what, do you, what is the word? Any uh, grace or mercy to really pull into anybody to maybe even take an hour a week to say, hey, can I meet with you? Will you come and sit at my table? Will you sit with me today? I want to help you out of this problem, me included. That's why Jesus said, go and make disciples. I believe he was really saying, go make good church members out of them. I'm not selling the church. I'm selling the life that we've got to do life together. That's why we're putting a greater emphasis that we're going to stop being event-driven. We're going to get to the Word of God, and we're going to be a people that are going to grow and strengthen one another, help one another, and do life together so that we can help more people out there. Worship team is making their way back. Come on, guys. So Moses said, who am I? And God said, you're the one I want. But Lord, what am I going to tell them? And he said, you just simply tell them, I am. You know what our message is? Jesus. As much as I like Christ church, it's not Christ church. It's Jesus. Jesus is, but pastor, they won't believe me. Pastor, they won't receive me. They don't want to hear him. That's the message. That Jesus come to bring deliverance to them. That Jesus is the one that will answer them. Well, pastor, they won't believe me, so what am I going to do? I don't have time to read every verse, so this is what he said. He said, what do you got in your hand, Moses? What do you got in your hand? I got a rod. Throw it down. What happened to it? It became a serpent. He said, now take it by the tail and pick it back up. That's interesting to me. Of all things, he could have turned that rod into a serpent. He's speaking to Moses. Because Moses, it was a serpent that deceived mankind out there from the very beginning. And I want you to know that I'm giving you authority over that devil. That you have the authority to overtake his power and his control. See, we're going to have to contend with some things. But most of us don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. I, I don't have time to be involved. So we operate church differently and we wonder where God is. We hire pastors to do what we're called to do. And it never was the role of a pastor to go and do all the work of the ministry. It's my job, our responsibility to equip and encourage and tell you who you are and what you got in you and encourage you to go do it. And then we wonder, why aren't we seeing any results? We're not operating biblically. So let's just go get a hotshot evangelist. Let's rent an auditorium. Let's do a few miracles. and make, It's still not the plan of God. Oh, I know, I love these guys, and I'm, no, I won't use a name, but I love all these guys, and if I had a chance to have them, I would have them. But if I'm bringing them and making my dependence of what God does in this church and is this region upon them, I'm still out of order. So he says, I've given you a rod. Then he said, but did I want you to take your hand, stick it in here. Pull it out and it became leprous. Stick it back and it was whole. This thing has always fascinated me 
of what it was representing. I believe God was saying to Moses, and Moses, I'm going to allow you to touch their heart through your words. And you're going to convict them. Your words, not you, but what I share with you and how you share it with them are going to convince them of who they really are and how sinful they are. But you're going to see that when you touch their heart, my power can go to work and I'll transform them. And I'll take that ugly heart and I'll make that ugly life and I'll make it brand new again. Moses, I want you to go. Last verse, and I'm going to pray. Moses badgered with God, and oh, there was one other thing. He said, God, I can't talk good. You guys aren't going to get away from God. I can't talk good. God said, okay, I'm going to bring somebody by your side that can. I believe he brought Aaron, Moses' brother. He's a type of Holy Spirit, I believe. To walk by him. He said, he's going to speak for you. I'm going to put my words in his. Your words are going to be in his mouth. He's going to speak for you. So now you don't have an excuse. Because your helper is going to be doing the talking. We just got to learn to let the helper work with us. So I, this verse, I, I, I've always ended right there. But I'm, this verse, chapter 4, verse 18 says, So Moses went and returned to Jethro and said to him, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt. So so I can see whether they're still alive. Let me go, Jethro. Let me go back. We have so distanced ourselves from a world that we live in that we don't even know if they're alive or dead. And Moses is saying, let me go back. I'm ready to go. And I'll do what God is saying. Church, every song that we sung this morning, every one of them, if you paid attention, They didn't ask me what I was going to preach. But everything was about Jesus bringing his people out. Shout it from the mountain. He brought us up out of that empty tomb, out of that grave. And Jesus wants to do it again. I believe if there's a visitation in the earth right now, it's not time for us to chase fire. But I believe it's time for us to give our ear to the Lord and turn to Him and say, I'm ready to pay attention. You don't have to quit your job. You don't have to leave your family. You don't have to quit playing golf or going fishing or whatever you do. Just live it out every day. You can still make t-shirts. You can steal whatever you do. Maybe God has divinely positioned you in the place you're at for such a time as this. And I want to say to you, you're not too old. You're not too old. Well, we're going to let the young... No, we're not. We're in this together.